Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour. Today, we're here to discuss the first volume of Bitch Planet by Kelly Sudaconic and Valentine Delandro, The Martian, which was directed by Ridley Scott, starring Matt Damon, adapted from a novel by Andy Weir, and Ancillary Mercy by Anne Leckie, the last book in the Imperial Rights trilogy. With me today to discuss all of these things is my fellow fangirl, Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello. Your sound is so much better. Yes, I, well, uh, well, you told me that I wasn't supposed to be talking to the top of my microphone, that I was supposed to be talking to the side of it, and then I did that, and now magic. Yes, I'm actually... Or rather, probably uh, science, rather than magic. Sound, sound science. science. Yes. <laughs> as we, a year into this, as we continue our <laughs> adventures in acoustics. Yes. <laughs> Basically, but it's weird though because now the microphone is, is like it's away from me. Yeah, it's pointing and, the opposite I, direction. I, yes, I keep wanting to, to get like towards me, come to me, baby. But no, no, no. Okay. It's uh, if you have it, it's too close. You have to you have to back off. Apparently, the Yeti yeah. is a complicated, complicated microphone. Complicated, complicated I don't. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it because I don't have a Yeti. I have I had the same brand, but it's a snowball. So. It's not multi-directional, and you have to talk directly into it. Yeah, I just thought it was going to be the same. But, you know, the video that you sent me was very useful. Thank you very much. And we, I hope that everybody feels the same way. Yes, our sound is continuing to improve. <laughs> yes. And other than that, you know, it's Friday night. We are recording outside our regular schedule. So because it's Friday night, I'm having a beer. Uh, you know, it's happy hour. Bring your happy hour. I'm the, having water. To the max. I'm... <laughs> I'm the boring person here having water. So, you know, because I'm having a beer, it's alcohol. I only had chips for dinner. I apologize in advance for any, you know, Anna's going Anna's to get, <laughs> get toe up on the podcast <laughs> while recording. Uh, so fun things that happened this week. Yes. So many fun things. So many. The Star Wars trailer came out. Yes, baby. Yes. It's so it good. So awesome. It was so freaking awesome, right? Yes. Oh, so I have so many theories. Do you have theories? I don't have. I mean, my theory is like that robot is super cute, and I want one. That's <laughs> that's not a theory. Uh, my that's that could be a theory. <laughs> no, we should talk about Luke Skywalker. Where is Luke? He doesn't appear. He's not in the, um, in the official poster. He doesn't appear. In the trailer either or does he maybe he's an evil sith lord is he though i don't do i have no clue do you think he has gone to the dark side i think that would be a very boring thing for the writers to have done to luke and honestly. i think that would basically kill all the fanboys oh uh, well i mean who you give them heart attacks or something well that might help some of the racist attacks that the poor Oh my god, yes! Did you see the whole thing? The hashtag... Oh, um, boycott Star Wars 7? Yeah, yes, exactly. I couldn't believe it. I, People I mean, just wanted to I boycott could. the f the film because it has a black dude and because the director is, is Jewish. I thought it was super classy that Ava DuVernay responded with a, like a... She responded with another hashtag. I don't actually know what the hashtag she used was. I can't remember celebrate star wars or something like that but yeah. she like took the narrative back and i was like i was like that's super cool it's cool it's yeah but, yeah so i'm just like really guys like 
it's pretty notable, I guess, that the biggest Star Wars event is being, you know, faced by a, a woman and a black man. Because so much of the original trilogy, from what I got from it before I watched it, Leia was there, right? But the the feeling I got when people would talk about the original trilogy was daddy issues with a dude and his father. Yeah. And that's that's the vibe I got. And that's a lot of the reason I didn't really uh, prioritize okay. watching it. Don't get me wrong. I got plenty of daddy issues of my own, and I definitely live them out through fiction. But <laughs> it was just something about sometimes you just don't want yet another story about a dude and his dad having problems right that's why we liked the end yeah. of agents of shield like agents of shield season two right because you got that same narrative but you got it with a like a girl, with a her, girl mom. And her mom yeah so this it seems really refreshing and i'm really excited because like the very like one of the opening shots where what's the character's name i'd like everybody seems to know all the characters names now and i'm just like yeah yeah i think it's uh she's ray and he's ray. finn okay so ray is like walking the desert with her droid and i'm like yeah I would see this movie knowing nothing else about Star Wars, just for the story about a girl and her droid. Oh, uh, yes. And it's so I'm... pretty, too. It's so pretty. Yeah, I cannot wait. Going back to Luke Skywalker. Oh, gosh. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. Uh, so I think he's dead. I think he's going to be dead at the start of this thing. Dead? That's the, that's the only thing that makes sense. Because you have that scene with Han Solo looking at the kids and saying, it was all true, kids. The, the, the Jedi existed. That only makes sense if Luke's dead. I'm just really confused because how long after the original trilogy does this movie take place? And why doesn't anybody remember what happened? So we were having a really cool conversation on Twitter about it, about, you know, the politics and remembrance and memory and empire. And how do you remember or don't remember or misremember things? I think that it probably is within 30 years at the point of the original trilogy, the Jedi Knights were already kind of fading Mm-hmm. people didn't know that much about them and they were not pre- as spread out as we want to believe they were they were already like this really falling apart religion that only old people like but that's a rant that we can go on the episodes that we are going to be recording about Star Wars I think there is a, a point to be made that it's been 30 years and it sounds like it's very little but actually if you think that it's a universe that the empire was so spread out. You don't know where people were. So maybe, yes, it just went into... You, you know, I think about Brazil, for example. We had this really horrible military regime from 1964 to 1988. And we had no democracy and people got killed. So in 1988, there was the end of that. And then we became a democracy again with general elections and direct elections, etc. And right now, because Brazil is undergoing a really horrible moment, it's like everybody's so corrupt and you have a financial crisis, etc. And people are clamoring for the, the dictatorship to come back. And, I'm, and, we are, and, and people are like, don't you remember what happened? How can you be saying things like that? And people just don't remember it. Things fade out of memory. Okay, you win. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's how history works. 
Yeah, so... I'm just interested to see it's... what they do with it, because I don't know if I agree that Luke's dead. I think he's, like, their their ace that they're holding, and that he's going to have some kind of role that's not going to be revealed. They're, they, literally, they're going to keep it secret as long as they can. Possibly, we won't even find out until the movie if they do their jobs right. Okay. That's Let's my see. theory. So, yeah. I think... We have conflicting theories. <laughs> yes, we do. That's going to be interesting. To see who, so just... who knows. We are either... Probably we'll both be wrong. Who knows? But, you know, there was that... There is that really quick shot of a hand patting R2-D2 in the trailer. And mm-hmm. that could be Luke's hand because he had his hand chopped, as we know. Uh, I remember this whole series is so obsessed with hand chopping. <laughs> yes, right. We're going to talk in depth about the hand chopping thing when yeah. we do our episode. Which, by the way, is coming up soon. Like, in a week, two weeks. So if yeah. you have any Star Wars related talking points or questions for us, you can definitely send them to us. And I guess you can send them to, like, email, bangirlhappyhour.gmail.com, Tumblr, or Ask Us is open. Or you can, I guess, send them to us on Twitter. Yeah, still do Twitter. It's easier. Everybody just... I will just don't be upset if I favorite your tweet and then unfavorite it later after we answer it. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of trailers, Jessica yes. Jones. Yeah, it came out today. Weirdly, like the version I saw and like linked everybody to immediately got taken down. I was like, what the hell? Oh, Guys, what? I don't know what was going on with that. Was it the same one that I saw? Yeah, How I mean, I- yeah, you saw it because it's like, I guess somebody else uploaded it and all, wow. but like all the comic stuff I followed linked to the version that I linked to and then I immediately got taken down. So people were like retweeting a dead link. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't understand why they did this. <laughs> but no, the trailer is really good. It's super, super dark and creepy. Yes. I've never they're... seen David Tennant in like a villain role. Oh, that's him. Of course I forgot. Yeah. <gasps> Oh my know? god, how did I, I... I knew, and then I forgot. See, I'm telling you, forgetting is something that happens. <laughs> Your point is proved. I've only ever seen him as the, as the doctor. I forgot, yeah. So, I'm really curious to see how what I'll think of this role. The guy who's playing Luke Cage is super cool. Wow, I love that guy. What's his name? Do you I, know? The, the, author, the, author, the uh, actor. What did he do? What was he on? I cannot remember. I don't know where. Like, I, I, I feel like I've seen him in something before, but I don't yes, know what it is. Yes, I cannot. I've, I've been trying to remember. Of course, I could just Google it, but I'm lazy. And <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We'll, we can look it up later. But yeah. she's super, super damaged. She's alcoholic. She's going through a lot of things, like a lot of hard crap, because the powers that this guy had were mind control powers. Yeah. I'm really, it's... like, I really appreciated that in the trailer, they show that they're mind control powers, but they do it on a dude. I mean, they would have had a different tone if he had used the, like, if the trailer had shown him using the powers on a woman, I think, Mm. like, explicitly. But they, but instead they used them on dude. I'm like, well, thick. (laughs) I can already tell this is going to be super dark. So I'm really appreciative of whoever put the trailer together who decided, let's save the darkness for the actual show and had him use his powers on, on a man. Thank you, trailer makers. I didn't think about that. So I'm just yeah. really curious about which direction they're going to go. I haven't read the the comic this is based on, although I did talk to my comics guy about it when I picked up my comics on Wednesday, and he was like, li- he's like, listen, this is how I feel about Jessica Jones. I have the original trade still on my shelf, the original trade that they first came out with, wow. and he was like, I would still recommend it. But he likes stuff real dark, so I'm real nervous. 
Let's see how it goes. I'm, I'm curious. So it's coming out in November, right? November 20th, all episodes. Guess so, what I'm doing that weekend. Yeah, and we should probably record a podcast about it. We should. Well. And yeah. either, like, screech and horror, cry. Because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be so... I don't know. Like, Daredevil was pretty violent and dark, so I'm just really curious if they're going to keep that tone. Probably. In all likelihood, yes, they will probably do keep well, the same tone. let's come and record about it with hard drinks. <laughs> So you, you go, you have a thing to tell us about. I do. Today, the Book Smugglers got nominated for an award. Like, an actual award that has, like, judges and shit. It's called uh, the Vuelio Blog Award. And the, it's, a, it's the first time that they're doing this. It's in the UK. It's this PR company. They are quite big here. And they are, they have, like, big clients, like Google and other big companies and basically they have they run this website where they list the most influential blogs and we get tons of visitors from them and now they are running this award for the for the first time and it's to celebrate the the most influential bloggers that have changed the world kind of thing you have see so your plan for world domination has continued it's exactly moving on up we have been nominated along with three others within the art and film category. And we are the only book blog there. So that's going to be interesting. And there's going to be like a glam award ceremony in London on November 27th. And I am going to go, I guess. I've got the invitation today. I'm going to take my partner with me. I'm going to wear the same dress that I wore to the Hugos. Because let's let's face it, the... The people attending will probably not be the same people, so... They're not going to know. Who will know? And why does it matter? I'm so bad at fashion. Uh, It matters. It matters to me. Anna, I own literally two pairs of pants. Okay? (laughs) Literally, I own two pairs of pants. When I say fat... I own five shirts total that I wear. Five shirts. Five shirts. Okay? When I say fashion is hard, I'm not kidding. I'm so bad at it. I'm pretty sure that Zach, my partner, owns more pants than I do. And more <laughs> shoes. I have one pair of shoes. What? Yeah, I have one pair of shoes. Oh my god, let's not talk about this because I have a shoe problem. Oh, well. <laughs> so, another, like, is this, does this count as a pop culture shame point? Like, when I don't care about fashion, I'm just I don't so know. bad at it. I don't know. Let's just put it down as different ways of being a woman. <laughs> okay, that's good because... I'm real different. I got two pairs of pants. Not ashamed. It's fine. Yes. I have many. <laughs> and a shoe, and a shoe problem, many. apparently. Too many. But anyway, I think I might actually buy a new dress. But who knows? Anything might happen. Live on, live on the edge, Anna. Live on the edge. Yeah. So anyway, this award is going to happen. It's gonna. It's really cool. Really happy about it. So that's it. Yay. Go me. And Thea. Congratulations course. on Thank your you. continuing rise to the top of the world yes i welcome our new book smuggler overlords yes let let me drink my beer to that so speaking of being a woman and complying to certain feminine standards we got together and read bitch planet volume one extraordinary machine by kelly sudakonic valentine delandro takisoma and robert wilson bitch planet is about Women who are socially non-compliant who get sent to a prison planet 
and what happens to them on this prison planet, including a lot of backstory about the characters we meet. It is a brutally feminist comic, which is no surprise because it comes from Kelly Sue DeConnick. So, Anna, what did you think about this comic? Uh, I loved it, right? I I first read it back in May. No, before that, even in, in April, I think. The first four issues. And I was actually rereading my review today. And it said, I said that I was really looking forward to issue number five, which was going to come out in May. And it didn't, right? So it only came out, I think, a couple of months ago. Yeah, it or... came out late because they were working on super, it. Super, super late, yes. It is an incredibly powerful piece of fiction with incredibly powerful art with incredibly powerful message uh one of the things that strikes me the most is the is the conversations around it i see so many people think that it's too much in your face and it's too abrasive and i and i think to myself yes yes it is that's exactly the point of this comic it's writing about a conversation you know, between past and present and, and the future and how we treat women in our society, especially women of color. I think this is uh, one of the most intersectional works that I have ever read. Most of the characters are people of color. It's a dystopian society and the way that they are treated is basically the way that we treat them right now in our society, but a little bit one extra level up, say. So what do you think about it? Did you like it? it? No, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really... I agree with everything you said about it. I really liked the fact that they included essays with the... It's really good, right? The individual issues had the... Which is how I read the volume. I read it in an individual issue. Because at the very end, they include Mickey Kendall. They had Lindy West. They had several other people to write these really incisive essays about intersectional feminism. I thought that was a really great way to like bookend the comic because it like makes you reflect on what you just read and to, and to look at it f- through an intersectional lens instead of just going with it as a story. Like it is a story and it's fine and it's, and it's a great story and it's fine to just read it as a story, but it's also really, really worthwhile to look back and see what the comic is actually saying. Because the comic is saying a lot of things about how we currently treat women, how white feminism is still extremely oppressive. Even as white feminists are being oppressed by sexism, we're also doing our own oppressing. And I just thought it was like a, just a brilliant way to, to frame it, too. And it deals with body image in a really fascinating way. There's a lot of nudity in this comic. Yeah. The characters just don't care. No. There was an issue where one character who is a lot, she's a large black woman. She's confronted with what she wants, like what she wants herself to look like by force. She doesn't give a shit. Yeah, she doesn't give a shit. So when they show her how she wants to look, all she pictures is how she looks right then. Exactly. Yes. And I was like, that's amazing. It's beautiful. Let us just like rewind a little bit and and talk about this for a while for those who don't know. So every third issue of of the comic will feature one guest artist and each one of those issues will have a focus on on each of the characters' backstory. So the first one within the first, these first five issues 
it deals with this character that Renee was just talking about. She's Penny. Uh, her name is Penny. Yes. And she was sent to Beach Planet for, and I quote, repeated citations for aesthetic offenses, capillary disfigurement, and wanton obesity. So those were her crimes. So basically just... Existing as a black woman who was Exactly. Fat. Yeah. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And in the end, she just... She doesn't. She doesn't give a shit. And Robert Wilson did the art for that issue. He was the artist. It was really good. It was really good art. The art on this comic is amazing and super it expressive. Is. And I'm just like, gosh, this is so good. And I love the covers. Each one of the covers as well because it's quite pulpy. Yeah, no, like I liked the the covers and I liked the little back. Like they have like little advertisement pages. Yes, in the back, right? That are super. Yes, yes. That are super. They're sometimes tongue-in-cheek, sometimes they're really offensive, but also just really funny. Yeah. No, it's just great. And, of course, there is the question of the very existence of this planet as well, right? And what do the women... What do women have to do to be sent there? And it's a very general idea, them being non-compliant. And there is no set rule for what does that mean? Meaning that the people that run the world can just make up anything and just say, oh, you are being non-compliant, go to Pitch Planet right now. The first issue and... opens with actually that, which I actually didn't really get. I had to go back and reread the first issue after I read everything else. And it made a lot more sense to me where this white woman is sent to Bitch Planet and you, you sort of think she's the protagonist. Yes, uh, which is a very interesting subversion. Right? Yeah, but she's not. Um, and she talks about how she why she got sent there, and she's she keeps going on about how she's not supposed to be there. So we learn that her husband had an affair and that she was upset about it. I guess he is the one who got her sent there because she got mad at him for having an affair. Just the idea that your husband it can treat you like property is an idea, or men in general can treat you like property is an idea this comic deals with too. Because so much of women's existence right now is objectified and commodified and men control it in really gross ways. This comic is sort of unpacks that idea a little bit about who gets to own us, who gets to own our bodies, who gets to say how we look, how we act. And it was interesting because Kelly Sue wrote an article in one of the issues about how some men got upset about a lot of women who were reading the comic getting a tattoo, the non-compliant yes. tattoo. Yes, and see, right? A lot of people are getting those. And yeah. the men got mad about it. They were they were upset. And I was just yeah. like, wait, Excuse what? Excuse me, young man. It's my body. I do what I want. Because it. apparently there were only three issues out at that point. But yeah, women were still getting the tattoos. Yeah. And I really liked her response to that. I was just like, well... It's not just because when I saw it going around, when people I saw people getting the tattoos before I ever read the comic, and that actually the tattoos were how I found out about the comic, people getting the tattoos. Ah, really? Yeah, that's how I learned about the comic itself. I thought it was really interesting that, of course, the people who were being like, "Oh, are you sure you should be getting a tattoo of that?" were dudes, because it's. I don't think it was just about. And even Kelly Sue even says it in the article that she writes. That it's not just about the comic. The, the tattoo of non-compliancy is not just about the comic. And if you think that, you've kind of misunderstood what the comic is trying to do. Completely, yes. 
So yeah, I really, really liked it. I'm just yeah, super it's, excited it's, about. I want to read the next issue. When is it out? I don't know. <laughs> it ends in a cliffhanger, and I'm like, oh my god. I know. I just do not see. Like, I just don't see any of the stuff coming. And I'm really curious about how, like, where the story's going. They talk about how there's going to be at least 30 issues. Yes, it's 36, I think. Oh, have they added to it? No, yeah, 30. 30? Because it was going to be, like, 30 issues and five trades. The next one, it's going to be character central one. So it's probably going to be the the one that the thing happens to. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because, yeah, she even wrote an article about that. Yeah, the next issue is about this character. Yeah. We're... That story. Yeah. And I was like, so, oh my god. You're so evil. Why are you doing this to us? It's like, no. But it's so good. I just, I mean, I guess I didn't, I mean, a lot of people have been telling me to read this for a long time. And I was just like, oh, okay, but violence, okay. And I was just really dubious about it and, until you were like, finally, you wore me down. Yeah. And I'm really sad I didn't read it sooner. Because I, if I had read it sooner, I might have just added it to my pull list. So the way that I described that in my review was this is kind of like Orange is the New Black in space without Piper. I don't know if that'll make any sense to you, but it might no, make sense to I don't some know. of our... What character? It's without who? Piper, the main character from Origins the New Black. Oh, okay. I don't... The, 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 the white girl, the white privileged girl who gets... We're so boring. <laughs> anyway, just imagine Origins the New Black without Piper. And that's basically Bitch Planet. Only a little bit better, I would say. So the plot of the trade that we read is uh, hinges around the main character forming a team of sports players um, to go participate in this game called Megaton that only men play. The motivations for why they want the women to form this team are not clear yet. To me, at least. Did you get... An- no, it's going to be something horrible. Yeah, I'm sure. It's going to be something terrible. Oh, my God. And so, basically, the first five issues deal with her forming a team and picking women to play the game with her and how that goes when she's on a prison planet with really abusive staff. And they are really abusive. Ugh. It's it's a really difficult comic to read as well. Especially when you imagine that... So probably a lot of the prison experiences that get talked about, especially for black women, probably are not that inaccurate. Yeah. Harrowing. Yes. It's, I would like put a lot of trigger warnings on this comic, actually, because it's tough that if you're not expecting it, if you don't know what to expect when you're going in, I would definitely say, be aware of what you're reading. Like I said, brutally, brutally feminist comic that deals with, you know, bodies and violence against everybody, mm. but mostly against women. And it's just real tough that if you're not prepared for it, but it's super worth it. Super worth it. I agree with that. If you read Bitch Planet, what did you think about it? Did you find it as harrowing as we did? Did you like it at all? If you want to check it out, it's out in trade now. The sixth issue comes out on December 6th of 2015. Next up, The Martian. Directed by Ridley Scott and starring Matt Damon, The Martian is adapted from a novel by Andy Weir, which is super, super popular. In this case, I'm going to say, without having read the book, that I find the movie super superior to the book, even though I haven't read it. 
because the movie was great. And the parts of the book that I read were not great. I'm really sorry, Andy Weir. But Ridley Scott really helped you out. <laughs> and I'm okay with hate mail. <laughs> oh, because The Martian was perfect. It was a perfect movie. Do you think it was a perfect movie? Yes, I think it was a perfect movie. I really oh. do not know how they could have made this movie better. Oh, wow. That's quite the statement. Besides, you know, adding less white people. Well, there was quite a few. Well, on the crew, there was one. Who was great, by the way, Michael Payne. Yeah, it's, it's the guy from Inman. Yeah, he was great. so much, yes. He was good. But no, this okay, what did you think of the movie? What did you think of it? I loved it. I thought it was super fun. You thought you loved it and you thought it was super fun. Meanwhile, I'm like, it was perfect. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm a little biased. Because, okay, I have not read the book. I tried to read the book. I tried really hard to read this book. I could not get past the first person narration of this book. It was too... I was, like, having secondhand embarrassment. So... But the movie kind of removes that for, for me. Like, I don't get as, like... I don't get as embarrassed, I guess, watching it happen rather than reading it in first person. Yeah. I'm a weird... I'm weird. Um, it's fine. I'm weird. Well, I haven't read the book either. Paya has read the book. It was one of her top ten books from last year. She loves it. She really liked the movie as well. I think she still prefers the book to the movie. I loved the movie, like I said. I thought it was super fun. I think one of the things that I liked the most about it, and I'm probably going to lose a lot of street cred that I might have right now, but I really liked the soundtrack. It's kind of like my soundtrack. I have all of those songs that I listen to all the time. I am a child of the 80s. What can I say? No, the uh, music was good. I poor, Mark Watney with his. You have terrible taste in music. I don't know. I thought it was cute. Where he, I was great. Like where he found... So there's a running gag in the movie where after Mark gets abandoned on Mars, he raids all his teammates' stuff and he finds their music collection. And his commander, who is played... By Jessica Chastain has nothing but like disco, <laughs> and he's like, "This is like this is fucking terrible music," <laughs> and it's like all he has to listen to, and it just it's like a really cute thing where he complains about it. the The movie never treats it. I don't think the movie treats it badly. It's like kind of like an no, inside joke. I don't joke. think so. I'm just I'm just so used to people saying that I have terrible taste in music that I just felt like. Yes. No, I it's cute it. because the movie doesn't. I like the movie's not making fun of her really. It's just like playing into this like cultural narrative because like you yeah. see, like later on in the movie, you see her partner like getting her like vintage disco Abba, stuff. Yeah, where where it was just and it didn't. It wasn't making fun of her. It was just like having fun about culture, how yes. we attach ourselves to different sorts of culture. So I thought it was super adorable and added her to the movie in a way where she became kind of an anchor for him. Exactly. And I thought this was really cool, actually. Um, the way that she was very, a very... She played the role that's usually played by a guy. A captain that leaves someone behind and then he needs to go back for that person. And, you know, it's like you have the angst. And I really loved it was a woman playing this role this time. That was really cool. I was actually really happy with the diversity of this movie. I mean, it could have been better in the the space crew. But otherwise, I was really kind of impressed. Although, they cast Chiwetel Ejiofor as... He's not Indian. His name was Indian, but he's not Indian. Yeah. So I thought that was a little strange. But whatever. 
I love that guy. I will watch him in anything. I would watch him in, like, reading the phone book. He's great. <laughs> I love him as well. He's so good. I've loved him since I saw him in... Because I didn't know he... Like, I didn't know he was... Like, I didn't know him until Serenity. Yep. And then I was like, who is this? And why have I never seen him before? I think that was his first big role. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, I, I thought he was sure. excellent in this. There were so many funny characters. I was a little dubious about Matt Damon in the main role. He's, he goes to space so many times, and I just end up not really liking those movies. Uh, I like I didn't like Elysium that much. I haven't watched any of those, you see. I haven't watched. So it's my, it was my first encounter with Matt Damon Did you in also space. avoid Interstellar? Yes, I have. I've oh. Interstellar. Well, good job. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> I went to the theater to see Interstellar, okay? I was well, so, I'm really sorry. I was so fucking disappointed. <laughs> this this is what I wanted Interstellar to be. A super fun space adventure. And it was. It, it really was, was. It was it so was entertaining. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was, it was so fun. What, what, what was your favorite joke? What was your favorite fun moment from The Martian? Where... He said that he was the greatest potato farmer on the planet. Oh, no. My favorite was the space pirate. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, was that like, was good. Yes. But I so, liked all the potato... Like, I liked all the jokes he made about being the only person on the planet. And eating all the potatoes. I love potatoes. I'm a big potato fan. So I was a big fan of this movie. <laughs> the potatoes got to be a character, and it was super great. <laughs> so then when you get to the part where... The potatoes. They die. It was so sad. <laughs> I did not expect to go into this movie and cry about, about potatoes. potatoes. I don't know. If you don't go into this movie and get a little upset at that moment, I don't <laughs> know if you're... Are you a robot? Because uh, I got real upset. <laughs> Just think about all the little potatoes. I was like... Lost in space. I was like, oh no, not the potatoes. And then the ketchup. I was like, I was watching that and I was watching him putting ketchup on those potatoes and said, oh man, you're going to run out of that ketchup very soon. What are you going to do then? Well, apparently continue eating the potatoes without ketchup. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was, it was adorable. I, of course, went in only really caring about Sebastian Stan. Uh, yes. Because he was cast in this movie. <laughs> I wanted this movie for Sebastian Stan, and he wasn't even in it that much, but it was okay. There was a little bit of romance there. I didn't care about that so much. No, I didn't either. I was like, okay, whatever, guys. Uh, I cared more about... I ended up caring more, which I did not expect, about Mark Watney. I was like, okay, I'm invested now. I really want you to get on this planet. Because since I didn't read the book, I had no clue what to expect. Because I didn't read, because like, I, once I found out the book, I didn't go look up spoilers. So I didn't know what was coming. I fully expected somebody to die. And at the very end, they have, they have Sebastian Sand doing, like, out, like, doing stunts outside the ship. Yeah. Like, he's just floating with no tether out in space. Oh my god, I just, I cannot watch that. Because that's my worst nightmare. <laughs> it should be, like, I mean. Your worst nightmare is to be why? stranded in space. Yes, well, I mean, why? Why would you do that? Why would you become an... I need to, we need to have this conversation because I want to understand why would you become an astronaut to go and walk in space? It, it's just... It, it's beyond me. I don't understand. It's just so fucking scary because you just go and go and go and go and go forever. Eventually you run out of air and, and die. 
Exactly. It's so fucking scary. It's On the plus side, Anna, you don't have to become an astronaut. You're safe. They're don't not die. sending people into space yet. You're fine. It's just so freaking... I just, like, hate watching those parts. Like, like watching Gravity. It was... I had. I almost had a heart attack watching that movie. It was so awful, but also amazing. Well, yes. the tension in this movie was super good, and they managed it the tension without like having to like randomly kill people off which exactly. i really appreciated i was like good job movie this yes. is how you do it this is how you build tension and then pay it off without murdering people great yes. work it was like did you did you ever watch apollo 13 no everybody's recommended uh... me that and... no i have not Everybody's recommended it to me, but uh, it's one of my it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Pop culture shame point check. Yeah, so you should watch it. It's so much fun. It's kind of like the same thing, but something that happened for reals. Put it on the list. The the list of guilt of films that Renee has not seen. So it's a really good movie, and kind of like The Martian plays around with that with that history, I think. And then when everybody's trying to help him create ways to survive on Mars using the things that would be available to him there. So they replicate everything on Earth. It's exactly the same thing that happens on Apollo 13. Apollo 13 is based on a true story. Did he have a family? He didn't, right? He had his parents. Yeah, but I think it was really interesting that sometimes in those stories, what you have is the hero left behind. And he will have like this really sob story about someone who had died or a family that he left behind. And there wasn't that emotional element, I guess. No, the movie made you care about him. You didn't care about About who who he left behind. About him and his crew, I think, was the most important thing. I kept waiting for the moment when they were going to tell his crew that he was still alive. And I, and I thought it was really interesting how they created tension around the idea of how do you t- we tell these people that the guy is alive because they left him behind. Can you imagine that? Oh my god. It's really clever. There are really clever things about this movie and this story, I guess. I don't know. I have... No bad feelings about this movie at all. All my feelings for this movie are positive, and they're all like everybody worked together, and it was teamwork. And except sometimes the d- director of NASA was kind of cutthroat and mean. But it's also international teamwork because they yeah, that's how you know it, China. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was like, "This is how you know it's a fantasy because uh, the U.S. and China are working together." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I really liked that though. I really liked that the movie went there yes. and was like, "Had the Chinese save our ass." <laughs> Uh, is, this a fir- is this the first time where we have something and you say that you don't have any negative feelings about it? I think uh, it is. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't no, have I any. Don't think, I don't think you had negative feelings about Lumberjane. No, I don't have Do any negative have- feelings about Lumberjanes. I could watch this movie about... I could watch this movie on a loop and be totally happy. Have you, would... How many times have you watched so far? I've only seen it once. You only saw it. Yeah. The movie that we're going to see multiple times in the theater is in December. Uh, it's not here yet. We're saving money for that. Which one? Is it Star Wars? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Give me a break, Anna. Of course. I, I mean, as long as it's good. If it's terrible, no. But if it's good, we yeah, yeah. But no, wow. we didn't. We didn't see this I, one. Wow. Most... Are you such a convert that you're gonna be watching the movie multiple times? I feel so. <laughs> maybe, maybe do. 
I should have. Now I've got your hopes up. Now it's going to be do. a disappointment. I'm so touched. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> this, this is so beautiful. Such a great moment in my life. Yes, Anna, I like Star Wars. I don't like the ri- original, like the prequel ones. Who does? Who does? Some people do. The, no. <laughs> no. The Martian is much better than the Star Wars prequels. Oh, yes. Of course it is. So, I think it has, it's a... It has potatoes. Uh, yes, it does. It has potatoes. The potatoes are a character. Yes. They're important. And you'll have to care about that. Oh, uh, do you know what? The only thing missing, the, he should have gotten one of those potatoes and made a potato head and called it Wilson. Oh, no. <laughs> you wanted him to... Listen, I think he was worried about... <laughs> Eating. Don't make him eat his friend, Oh, my Anna. God. A Mr. Potato Head that he could talk to and have conversations. But then he would have to eat it. It's terrible. And then, therefore, adding even more tension to a narrative already full of tension. Oh, no. <laughs> and then his biggest, he, the biggest regret that he'll have in his life is that he ate Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> I don't know. I find this so funny. It's the beer. It's, I blame the beer. You're super drunk. I am not. So, yeah, we both like this movie a whole lot. And we think that if it's playing near you you should go see it definitely moving on ancillary mercy came out on october 6th it's the last book and the new york times best-selling author and lucky's imperial raj trilogy it wraps up all the storylines from ancillary justice and ancillary sword and it is an amazing novel that i love and have no complaints about at all so this entire segment is going to be (laughs) Nothing but effusive love. Anna, thoughts? Love fest. It's going to be a love fest for me as well. I was over the moon with this book and the way that it works as a trilogy ender. It works as a book in itself. I was really surprised, which I shouldn't have been because I had the utmost trust in Unlucky because I loved the first two movies. I loved the first two books so much. But in a way, it really surprised me because I maybe I was expecting something else. Maybe I was expecting something to go wrong or go dark. Because after all, we are talking about possibly the end of an empire, the end of oppression. But this book was hilarious. This book was absolutely like a comedy of errors. It was surreal in the best possible way. Didn't you think that? I think we talked about this, right? On Twitter. That this book was absolute. There were so many scenes that made me laugh out loud. And they were unexpectedly hilarious. Because you would have a scene where something horrible could happen. And then people were just being completely flippant about it. And then talking about fish. Yes, I'm just seeing you. Mean, I mean, it was this good. will probably not make any sense to anybody who hasn't read the book. Ever, I don't understand why you haven't read the book. Read the book. Read the book. It really amazed me what she did here, the way that she did here, the way that she just slapped Grim Dark in the face and went, Do you know what? I could go dark, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna have fun with this. And I'm writing a book where people are just nice and they're just trying to do the best. And they are doing that by not talking about their feelings. 
and then talking about their feelings and then cuddling and then there's fish at the same time dealing with really big 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 issues it's amazing this author amazes me i think she is amazing i think she deserves all the awards that she has won so far i think this book deserves an award i think anybody who says that <laughs> ancillary justice series is tried and it's all about gender shit is like you are no you are wrong <laughs> and go away and leave me alone that's 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 my opinion this book was lovely it was lovely you made a good point about her slapping Grimdark in the face. Because in a lot, of, a lot of times, we're sort of conditioned to expect the third book to go dark, to get real serious, in order to wrap up the storyline. And that doesn't really happen here. What I find really great is that the story of Breck, the way her story starts, starts with violence. She loses her home. She loses, well, everything. 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 The resolution of Ancillary Mercy is about her... She can't ever recover what she's lost, but no. she can find a new way to be. And I think that's what is the most valuable about this book and how it ends, because it chooses to end it in a really tense, excellent way that's embroiled in politics, but without the violence. Yes. And I thought that was super, super great. I love the story because I just, I kept, you know, I kept expecting something to go wrong. It wasn't without violence, but the resolution itself wasn't contingent on the violence being there to resolve the issue. The issue was resolved through fine print politics. It's, yes. It was so perfect. And people being really clever and doing clever things and using their skills to either get out of things via diplomacy or the fine print. It's really clever. So you talked about how Breck, Breck's journey is about finding a new way of life, basically, right? Or, or like coming to terms with what happened to her and going through that journey of revenge. Because at the end of the day, this is a story about revenge as well. But it's also about love. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's definitely I, like the first like the first book is a it's a revenge based on a romance. Yes. Like it because Breck's story, half the reason she's on this quest for revenge is because there was a love story there, right? There was a romance. Yes. Like not in the same not in the same way that you would think like a traditional romance would be, but she cared so deeply for Lieutenant An. Yes. So a ship a ship can't love another ship, but a ship can love a captain. And I don't know if I, if I, I don't know if I no longer buy a ship can't love another ship. Of course you can't. Of course, this whole, this entire book is proving that point wrong. Yes, it's super it's great. She's like, oh my god, I'm gonna cry all over again. Oh, me. It's so, like, it's so sweet. It's it's about found families, which is the best thing in the world. I know, it's my favorite. It's like, and like, he was like, what is Renee's favorite thing? Oh, this. Let me write an entire book about it. It was perfect. Well, the entire series about it, really, because this, the whole thing was building up to get to this point, and you have all the cows, and you have Savardin, that idiot child, and you have, <laughs> and you have the new lieutenant, and you have Breck, and you have Ship. Oh my god! The way they, and then Spin. Yes. Yeah, that was okay. So that's a spoiler. That's like outright spoiler. But I, I see Spin as. Breck in the first book. We're seeing Breck. 
as oh, she was, how she like how she was like going through the going through the world, how she was acting. If you look at Sveen, you can see what Brick looked like before finding her own, finding a new ship, finding ship and having um, a crew that loves her. And I thought that was a really interesting parallel. Yes. I was really excited to see that develop. I was just like, wow, this is super, super fun. I just have no complaints about this book. I loved it so much. It was so entertaining. I think I sat down to start reading it. And I started, and I got halfway through, and I was like, oh, it's 7 in the morning. I should go to bed. And I think the whole thing about politics as well, and the end of the empire, I think the the end of this book was quite realistic in the way that nothing was really solved. You can't. You can't have a small crew of people changing the universe. But they created like, they created a foothold though, right? They exactly they gave yes. other they gave other people the tools, especially the AI, the station AI, especially. Oh my god! Yes. To to create circumstances in which they no longer have to be oppressed by exactly. an ender, me and I. So it's about self determination and agency and and the idea of personhood within a civilization that sees people as something that you can just throw away and ai is something that you can just turn on and off at your will so it's just there is so much here there is so much in this series which is what which is why again i go back to those who just hand wave this series as a not so clever look at gender and it's like this is just like one of the really minor things about this series that I would grant that the first book that probably came out of it very strongly because it was the first book. So you would be introduced to that idea and how things work. But the second and the third book, you just don't even pay attention to that anymore. It's just part of the background. I never thought it was... I mean, that's just me. I never thought it was a big deal, even in the first book. I mean, it was an interesting conceit. But what I got attached to was Breck's relationship with Savardin and her quest to take revenge on Anander Mianai for On's death. I always thought it was like I always took it away. Like I always took the love story and the revenge narrative away from Ancillary Justice before I would take the gender stuff. And also Ancillary Justice can't I mean the gender stuff is there but that's about like more narrative about colonialism and empire and oppression. Much more. And Much more, right? I just don't yeah. see how you argue. I mean, no, no people do, but I just don't understand how you argue that the series is about gender. I know. I'm. It's... <laughs> because it's not at all. There's so much no. more going on. The gender is just such a small part of what, and like he's doing in these novels to explore I, these concepts. I, I think it's probably, it makes people so uncomfortable to, to think of an entire world populated by women that they, they see nothing else. They don't see beyond that. Even though the worlds are actually not peopled by only women, obviously. But it's just the idea that everybody's a she makes a fuse melt in their heads or something. <laughs> that they don't see anything else beyond that. Which is a shame. It's a shame. It's. It... I think the one complaint I might have about the series is that sometimes it feels... And why I think some people might have trouble connecting with it. And sometimes the narrative feels a little opaque like it's hard to emotionally connect with breck 
But I think that's on purpose in a lot of ways. And you have to read between the lines of what she's saying. Because if you just read the words and don't like try to really think about the fact that you're reading a character who is an AI. Oh my god. Exactly, but there was that whole scene when she's in hospital, when she's, I think she breaks her leg, yes. And then the entire scene, she keeps saying how someone keeps wiping her eyes. Mm-hmm. And like, and we know that she's crying, right? She's crying through the entire scene, but she doesn't say it. But you have to read between the lines to understand that it's highly emotional. And so that's probably my own, that's not probably my only complaint, but I don't really know it's a complaint exactly because I mean, I feel like that if you can't get past that, the novels aren't going to resonate with you at all. You're not going to be able to get past the block. And the block is, I think in a lot of ways in the first book, deliberate because Breck doesn't want anybody close. She oh, yeah. is out, she's out for revenge and she knows she's going to die in the pursuit of it. And po- and like, and possibly she, she might even get to, to carry the revenge out, but she's going to die in the, in the progress of getting there. So she doesn't want anybody close. And so we see in the third book that finally come to a head where she she realizes that she's a, she, she feels alone and like super isolated. And at the time, yes, she's isolated. But like in a general sense, she feels isolated and alone. And what she comes to learn is that she's not at all. And it's a, just a really, really emotional. I'm just going to cry Oh my God, it. so many. There, there are... It's- it's just like it's not raining it's it's raining in here it's fine it's just rain let me wipe your tears (laughs) it's so like i don't and then there was another thing where the book really treated people who needed medication like they were people you need your meds to function have you taken your meds do you have yes i loved it i was like oh my god there was a whole point where they were they were actually facing the beat biggest villain of all time and they were like excuse me this person needs to go to the doctor's bay mm-hmm. and she's like yes okay please take her yeah exactly just like wow it, you know because Saver then was going through some serious shit there serious emotional mental uh breakdown and the book dealt really well with that did it with um Tisserwat too I yes thought. and i was just like this is so like i just don't I just don't see that get treated so respectfully by books where, because most of the time, like most of the cult, like the cultural narrative around medication, is just like, oh, you need medication to be, you know, neurotypical and it's really judgmental. And this book didn't do that at all. It was amazing to see it just handled like, oh, you need this to work. Okay. Well, you're going to get it. And then you'll go to work. It was not like, it just wasn't stigmatized at all. It was lovely. I was so yes. impressed with how she did it. <sighs> We have we have so many feelings. I have so many feelings about this book. I cried so many times. It's gonna like I don't even know like I don't even I don't know if I have to cheat like if I have to bump something off. This is like can I just put this on my best of list like in all fifteen spaces? I this is the first time ever that I have given a series a perfect ten. Mm-hmm. No, I so I, I gave I gave I gave tens to all of three books, and I have never done that before, and I don't regret it at all. No, it's, uh, it's no. I just thought she wrapped it up perfectly. Do you want her to write more in this universe? Like not not specifically about these characters, but in this universe. But why can't we have the same characters? Well, you could if you want, but do you want her to write more about these characters? I would love to to read more about these characters. Maybe they go on adventures. There was a funny moment in 
the story where they referenced um a, a like one of the characters references a society that rules by like playing games and i wondered if that was um, ah. a reference to the short piece that and like you wrote for strange horizons last oh, I, year i think i think I, I saw someone else mention that and i thought because have you read that short piece it's really good i thought no she commands me and i obey yeah i know i haven't you actually. should read it it's really like if you want more like stuff that, it's not about these characters or about the society but it's no listen i was joking i don't think i think i think everything has been wrapped here i don't think there is anything else that could be done with these characters. I think I think the way that things were left off was just so perfect in a perfect position. Don't tell people that... who requested this for Yuletide then. So I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if somebody nominated this series for Yuletide, we're gonna see a lot of like super duper hurt comfort fic with cuddling. Oh cuddling. Oh my god, all the cuddling. <laughs> there was so much and it was so good. That's my, I, I think that's my entirety of my review on Goodreads where I'm just like, that's cuddling, alert, alert. <laughs> Go read it. So yes, we love this book. It's we available now. Yes. You should go if you haven't read the trilogy. If you haven't please read the, the trilogy. Read the trilogy. Read, read it. Read it, please. It's worthwhile it's just... to stick with it, I think. I had to read the first book twice to really get it. I liked the first book the first time I read it. The second time I really, really got it. Took I think I took what and like you wanted me to get out of it away from it, but it took me twice. I always feel bad for being like, no, just stick with it because there's so much media that's more not easier per se, but accessible. Because I think some of the stuff she's doing here might not be accessible to some people who don't already have a grasp on some of the comment, the like the, the things she's doing with colonialism and and gender and empire. That might be a roadblock, but I'm going to be like this, this jerk that goes, just read it. Just read it. Read the whole <laughs> thing. It'll be worth it. <laughs> and then if it's not worth it, you can come on Twitter and be like, fuck you, Renee. You're wrong. <laughs> you wasted my time. Three weeks of my life. So, yeah. I don't, I don't think they will. Yeah. I love this so much. And it really makes me so happy that I have all three books here sitting on my bookshelf. I'm soon going to have oh. all three books sitting on my bookshelf signed. Man. <laughs> because I get to go see her on November 14th. Yeah. I'm excited. She's great. She it's really awesome. is. Yeah. No, I mean, I saw her before last year and she was great. And it's going to be great this time too. If you liked Ancillary Mercy, what did you think of it? If you haven't read it yet, it's out now from your book retailer of choice. So get on that. And now it's time for recommendations. Anna, you're up first. Okay, so Halloween is just around the corner. I've been reading a lot of horror novels for uh, for our Halloween week on the blog. And one of them is a graphic novel. It's a manga, actually. And it's called Uzumaki by Junji Ito. And it's three volumes, although there is one collected volume that collects all three it's one of the most terrifying, unsettling things I have ever read. So basically, it's a town and you have this girl who is narrating the story. And she says that one day in the town, those spirals got out of control. So basically, Uzumaki actually means spirals in Japanese. And the subtitle or the subheading of the, of the story is Spirals of Terror. You don't expect the things to happen the way that they do. I have never been so terrified by a graphic novel in my life. 
the art is just well basically I haven't slept last night because I kept <laughs> seeing spires everywhere so it's a great Halloween read go ahead and pick it up it's kind of like it's almost 20 years old already I think but it's really good it's really really good I loved it it's a perfect Halloween read what about you Renee what do you have for us let me guess is it a piece of fan fiction? Wow, you're so smart. Oh my god. I'm impressed. Yes, it is wow. a piece of it is a piece of fan fiction. Good work. Good deductive yeah. good deductive work there, <laughs> Sherlock. Oh, uh, thank you. Let me kiss myself. So yes, my recommendation is not scary at all. Not really. It's not a Halloween thing. I'm not prepared for it to be Halloween yet, I guess. The title is Die Hard, but only if no other options are readily available by Jen the Sweetie. It was a work in progress for a while, and now it's finally finished. It's about 23,000 words. It's a Steve Tony story where, post-Ultron, Steve hands over the information about Tony creating Ultron to the government, and Tony gets arrested and placed on the raft. Now, I'm pretty sure the raft is like a comics thing. It's not specifically in the MCU right now, but it's like a, a prison for superheroes, and the Avengers discover that he's about to be executed with no trial. So Steve and the other Avengers uh, break him out. And it's really dramatic, and the dialogue's really snappy, and I really liked it a whole lot. So if you're into some fanfic that deals with the fact that, you know, in Age of Ultron, Tony created a, a killer robot and, and him getting held accountable for it, this might be up your alley. Cool. Yeah, it's re it's really cute. And that's it for me. Do you know what I'm going to be doing now? As soon as we finish recording this podcast? Oh, no. I'm going to be reading Monstrous by Marjorie Liu. Oh, right. Brag. Brag to everybody, Anna. Boy! <laughs> yeah, she has, she has a copy. She has a copy, guys. Everybody can... Just, just Die of jealousy. Waft. Have jealousy toward her, <laughs> or send me to a superhero prison <laughs> because your pa your powers of acquisition of unreleased <laughs> stuff has become has cr too great, too great for this world. <laughs> I have become an ARC villain. Fangirl Happy Hour is Anna Grillo and me, Renee Williams. I am also our producer. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Tumblr and Facebook at Fangirl Happy Hour. One long word, no spaces. You can chat with us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcast. You can also come flail at us individually. Anna is at Book Smugglers, and I am at Renee. Our music is by Boxcat Games. Our logo is by the very talented Era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode. Mm -hmm.